Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. If my natural rhythm is that I sleep late, I should A, wake up late, B, wake up early, or C, do whatever you want, Brett, but stop using the term natural rhythm. I'm Brett Singer. This is my show. Brett from the bunker, we're live. It's your May 12th. May 12, 2020, Tuesday. You don't know what day it is, you can pretend. But I'm joined today by my guest, Ronnie Pascal. Ronnie! Hello. How are hello, you? Hello, hello. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Brett from the Bunker. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So I ask everyone this. I need to ask you, how are you holding up? I'm doing okay. I... uh found a rhythm in doing online shows, online comedy shows that I didn't think I would like, but kind of found to like, so that's been a good thing to, like, pass my day most of the day. You're doing a lot of them. Yeah. I've been doing five a week of my own and then trying to jump into other people's shows, too. It's really cool. Yeah. So tell everyone what you do. What are your What are your, the five shows a week that you do? Uh, so three days a week, I do just, like, a straightforward late-night stand-up comedy show, uh, I keep pitching it to people that I want it to be like Conan slash Letterman, but obviously not as good. But <laughs> uh, And, yeah, so I just do some topical news jokes up top, and then I have some friends come on. I generally have three guests a night, and I try to make them play weird, fun characters. Like uh, one character I had someone play that I really liked was I pitched for them to do a tarot reader, but the tarot reader accidentally brought their son's Pokemon cards to the tarot read instead of their tarot cards. Nice. So, I like that. Yeah. So I tried to like little silly bits like that. Um, yeah. And then there's three comedians. So they either do like stand up or sketch or characters or whatever. And then once a week I do a show called quarantine dating game. And it's a parody of, like 1960s, 1970s, like dating shows on TV. I was on that. Um, yeah, that was a fun one, right? Yeah, that was super fun. I had a great time. Yeah. Uh, we going to the, this week's going to be the third or fourth one. I lost track. And uh, yeah, so that's just me finding people characters, or they pitch me a character they want to do, and they answer dating questions from the point of view of like the. My favorite one that I came up with on my own was an ASMR guy who lives in his mom's basement, and his <laughs> mom keeps interrupting. And then, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and then the last show I just started, it's called Roast Yourself, and people just write roast jokes and perform roast jokes about themselves. That could be fraught. I could see that being psychologically fraught for me. That would be tough. I, I think I could do it. I'm not shy. I'm not, you know, saying I couldn't, but I think that would be, uh, 
I don't know. That would be a lot of therapy. That would be an extra couple of therapy sessions maybe if I did that because you're really you're going after what you used to look like and how you used to be, and you know all your stuff. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's the other so. thing too. Is, uh, while they're doing it, I have a picture of their younger self on screen. See, I was so. I was I was very cute when I was younger, so I'm actually so that actually wouldn't <laughs> bother me. The I don't I don't think there there must be embarrassing pictures of me, but I don't have any. Like I'm unaware. They of don't any. exist at all anywhere. They, I didn't say they didn't exist. They just I don't have them. <laughs> like, like I'm sure I'm sure there are some because I because I I went through a period where I barely dressed like a human. Like I just. I'm colorblind, and so if I don't pay attention, I will just uh-huh. pick clothes, and it's like, you know, I'm wearing orange plaid. Like, I don't care, you know. Oh, there's something so wrong I, with that. Oh, it was, it was pretty ugly. It, it was, it, it, things, things did not match. Things, there, there was not a whole <laughs> lot of color coordination going on. So, I mean, if there's pictures of that uh, somewhere, then, uh, then those might be a little embarrassing. But otherwise, I think generally what I have is pretty good. But um, it's more the stuff that I know about myself, and you know, the, the, I, it could get yeah. kind of serious. I don't know. I could see that. I could see that yeah, going in a very I, dark direction. Yeah, my first one, I was like, oh, I'm going to write dark jokes because everyone else is going to write dark jokes, and I was like, I'll go last. Or no, I think I went first, and I just told like jokes about myself because I was like, let's set the tone of what this is because no one else is on this show yet. Told what are we jokes. on? Are we? On, are you on a speakerphone? Uh, no, I'm on my uh, what's it called? My regular phone with headphones on. Is it oh, all right. weird sounding? Yeah, a little bit, but it's all right. Go ahead. Um, let me see if I can fix that real quick. If you give me like ten seconds, I can fix it. Yeah, I can vamp. I can, I can think of something into... to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. Let me get. I could put the music back on. I don't. Know, I like the music just at the top and the bottom of the show. So. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that, but I am. What am I working on? I am working on a, a cover, an acoustic cover of Nazi Punk's better? "Fuck Off." Uh, uh, say it again. Better. Yeah, that is better. Great. Yeah, uh, I like that you brought that reference up during the show because I understood it, but I don't think anyone else did. I know. Well, it, see, what was fun about that, I haven't done improv in a long time, and I never did improv the way people do improv now. I just did improv in acting classes. Um, but it was always something I really enjoyed and something I'd like to get back to. So it was literally like you you said, like, what's – I forget. I don't even remember what the question was, but it was – whatever it was, it was whatever popped into my head, that's what was coming out. So yeah. you know, there was there was no filter, there was no thinking about it, and that was honestly what was really fun about it because you know I mean nobody got the reference, but oh well I mean uh, you know you got it, so that was good. I got it, and then I direct messaged it to Amelia, the contestant. So she was like, "What is this?" And I was like, "This is what I grew up loving." Oh, is that right? Were you did you grow up a hardcore guy? Oh yeah, I grew up. I was obsessed with Bad Brains, Minor Threat, and a little bit of Dead Kennedys. Nice, all good choices. Yeah. That bad brain, that bad brains album. I had it on yellow cassette, but that that, that main one was just. I mean, it's magic. I, I I put that up against just about anything. That was just an amazing, amazing album with band in DC and all of those. And you know, yeah. fearless vampire killers, all that stuff. That was my jam. That was that was really my songs. I imagine I would still like that album. I know I would. I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely would. Dead Kennedys have held up pretty well. Um, I, I, uh, Bad Brains have certainly held up well because they were good. Like they really knew how to play. Yeah, they were talented too. Yeah, very, very talented musicians. Um, and very influ- very influential. I think don't pr- probably don't get enough credit for being as influential as they were. 
Uh, and and you know they would then they would drop into a reggae song, which was which was kind of fascinating. Yeah. Like they they would they'd be doing like this, yeah, it was like seriously heavy music, and then it was just like I love I love Aja. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, that I'm very from? confused. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they were re- they were really good. Um, I, I I I missed out seeing them live and missed out on seeing Dead Kennedys live. I, I saw Fugazi. I never saw Minor Threat, but I did get to see Fugazi. They were great. That was a great show. I don't think I've seen any like legendary punk bands live. I, like I think I'm just like slightly too young. To, like I'm 30. I'll be 35 in a couple of days. Oh yeah, so you know, think... you're, too, you're too young. Well, except for the ones that are still playing. I mean, there there's still a few that are kicking around. Well, like I had tickets to see. Do you remember the band Reagan Youth? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I had tickets to see them like five years ago, and then I watched some of their online videos, and I was like, I don't want to watch this live. Yeah, well, I mean, like that's a the thing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, Dead Kennedys still play, but they pl- but they play. It's not with Jello, so it's kind of like, yeah. what's the point? Like, I don't I don't know why. It's like a cover band. Well, I mean, it's well, it's weird because it's all the same guys, but it's not your lead singer. And once it's not your lead singer, it's just not going to sound the same. Particularly with Jello, he he had a really unique voice. So oh, yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, I I just uh, um, I don't know how much of uh, like I don't think all of Minor Threat was in Fugazi, but um, but certainly um, uh, what's his name, the lead singer was the same. So that was Ian cool. Mackay. Ian Mackay, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, uh, that was that was a fun show. That was when I was when I was in college out in Worcester, Mass, and it was just you know it was like a bombed out loft, you know, for five dollars. It was it was a real punk show, like like the real well, deal. It wasn't it wasn't even a club. Huge pit, everybody going nuts. You know, I, the song I remember was "Who You'd Make a Good Cop," which is a great, which is a great <laughs> punk song title. Uh, yeah, yeah, make a, a good cop. Great song, great song, great, great show. They were really, they were really fun. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I'll tell you, I don't run into a lot of people who are into that, that who uh, who grew up listening to that. Yeah, when I came to New York, I expected because I'm from Connecticut, New Haven, so I there's a pretty decent New Haven punk scene. It's small, but like there are people that like it there. And I was like, oh yeah, when I move to New York, there's going to be people who love punk music, and there I don't find it often. No, I mean it's it's definitely there. I mean certainly you'll find people. There still is a scene. Um, I went to see uh, my son was really into metal for a while, and there was um, a grindcore band named Brujeria, which is a Mexican grindcore band, and they're they're really they're really fun. But grindcore is definitely a bit of an acquired taste. But yeah, there, it's there hard was to a. I'm sorry. I said it's hard for me to listen to. Yeah, it's but I tough. Tried. It's tough. It's not. It, it's definitely Brujeria is kind of fun, but uh, like they did a fun Trump song that I that I liked, and you know they they they, they're, they're, they're but it's definitely rough. But there was a band that opened for them that was really an old style New York hardcore band called Billy Club Sandwich, and it was kind of fun to see. And I was listening to them, and I was like, huh, this is definitely like what I grew up with. So it's still it's still there. Like it's all it's out there. It's just not as big and it's you know, it's just not that popular. not that many so you people are into it. Get out now. Yeah, you you really got to find it. It's probably probably real uh, definitely harder than it used to be because I mean certainly in the 80s it was a lot more prevalent. Um yeah. so um so yeah, well good. I'm glad that you got the reference. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Oh, and to tie two things together, one of my roast jokes to myself because I loved going into mosh pits was I hear you love going into mosh pits, but it's the only time people will touch you and all those people are trying to shove you away. 
See, that's what I'm Perfect. talking about. Like that is the type of so that's what you're going for with the roast yourself. Like you want you want to cut deep. Yeah, definitely. Okay, because it is a uh, huh. Interesting. I may have to check that out. I don't know. I, I just I can't decide how I would feel about that. I think it might it might be good. It might be good therapy, but it also could, it could get a little dicey. I don't know. I'm just I don't know. I think it's weird for me because I'm doing it every show, so I have to like constantly do it. Everyone else is just doing it one time. Oh, you oh you have to come up with new stuff about yourself every show. I think so. I don't know what the rules are, but I feel like I have to. Right? I don't know. I like that you don't know what the rules are, but it's your show, Ronnie. You can do whatever you want. It is, but, like, wouldn't people who are watching, they're the ones who make the rules because they're like, Ronnie told this joke last show. Ronnie's told this joke five shows in a row. I, I have had to be careful. There are things that I have said on this show multiple times, and I realized, and you know, when I used to do this very occasionally, like, I've been doing this off and on for 10 years, and not Brett from the Bunker, just Brett Singer Radio. And when I did it very occasionally, it wasn't a big deal. I wasn't going to repeat anything. If I didn't do a show for six months, you know, I wasn't likely to say the same thing. Whereas if you're doing it every single day, you're going to say the same stuff. And, you, and, you know, I'm, I don't have time to listen back and remember what I said because I don't remember what the hell I said every day. So I need to be – I just I was like, all right, let's be a little conscious that, you know, we don't talk about this. We don't talk about this. Like, let's not tell that story. Like, so – um, so I agree with you. I think that, I think you're right. The people make the rules. I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, so how did you yeah. get into all this? How did you get into comedy? Uh, so I, my, my stepfather owns a pizza place, right? So when I was growing up, I was the cashier because I was a terrible cook and I was really bad at like prepping the food. And he's like, the only use for you is to take people's money and answer the phone. And <laughs> I know this is like the weirdest way that people have ever started comedy, but I was like very socially awkward growing up and I've kind of grown up a little bit out of that, but something about being around people all day long and it was the same people coming in because this restaurant's pretty popular and it's all like, I would say he has like a pretty rabid fan base and I would start just telling jokes to the regulars when I was like 16, 17 years old. Um, And I don't know, something about that was in my brain. And then my next job after that, I was a grocery store manager uh, well, I went from grocery store clerk all the way up to manager. Nice. And, yeah, and I would like to do bits around the store. And, like, one of my favorite bits to do, it's really dumb, but I would go on the intercom for the whole store and pretend to be an old woman who fell in a well. And I was like, hello, I'm an old, I'm an old lady trapped at the bottom of a well. I'm just and picturing just being in the store and hearing that over the intercom. Yeah, everyone's probably like, what the heck is going on? And I'm just like, this is funny. And, like, at that same job, I would prank call the butcher shop every day and be like, hello, do you have chicken feet? And the butcher would be like, yeah, we do. And be like, must be hard to find shoes then. (laughs) Did they get get sick of that pretty quick? Yeah, they got sick of it, and then they caught on. They knew it was me. And then one time I got the florist person to call and I was like, hey, call. I'm going to tell you what to say. Just do this. And then uh, uh, the butcher answers, got a little annoyed. He thought it was me at first. And then he realized that it wasn't me. So he answers her questions. And then she said, must be hard to find shoes then. And then hung up and he got infuriated. And I was like, this is comedy. This is what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. I like and it. Then, I like that. Yeah. 
so uh, doing that for a little while, and then I was just like, you know what, let's move to New York and figure it out. And then I just started doing improv, and I don't know why I started doing improv, because I never liked performing improv, and I never liked watching improv, but I was pretty decent at it, so I was like, let's just do this. It's so funny. I hear that from a lot of people. At least, at least one or two other people who've been on the show are like, I do improv, but I don't really like improv. Yeah, I don't. Why, like, why is that? Saying, what is that? What is that about? Like, why? Why is it? I mean, it's a, it's clearly a thing to do. Like, it's obviously very popular. Lots of people yeah. doing it. Lots of teams. All of that stuff. But you know, what is it? What is it about it that we don't like? Well, the tie into what you were saying is that uh, you said you liked doing improv because it was different than the way people normally do it, right? And I think that. Uh, the improv that is being presented in the big cities these days, New York, Chicago, L.A., uh, probably other cities too, is long-form improv. And I feel like it's very masturbatory. I hate using that phrase, but it's just like, hey, we're doing this thing for ourselves. Whereas, like, whose line is it anyway? Like, short-form improv, you're doing it for the audience. Right. And there's that connection with the audience because you're constantly asking for a suggestion. You're constantly checking in for audience reaction whereas long-form improv is much more theatrical you don't care about the you're like told to like yeah don't even pretend the audience doesn't exist and i was like no i got into this to like have a social the social aspect of it and i like my like favorite stand-up bits that i do are more crowd participatory than they are just me telling a joke and waiting for a reaction does that make sense yeah it makes perfect sense yeah, so I think the reason I don't like long-form improv, and there's, like, too many rules for it. Like, there's, like, yeah, this thing has no rules. Do what you want. And then as soon as you start doing it, uh, your coach or director is like, here are all the rules you broke during that show. I See, I didn't I didn't realize that because I haven't stepped into that scene. Now I'm I'm, I'm both curious and uh, and maybe repulsed a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I because I, I, it just uh, that's the thing. I mean, one of the fun things about it. I mean, first of all, it should always be about the audience, not not in the sense that you can't do your work, but in the sense that you are there to you're you're, you're soliciting laughs. We're trying to get yeah, laughs. Definitely. Like 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 the reason why, whose line is it anyway works so well. Now now one reason is because they cut all the boring parts, and I'm sure there's some great stuff that makes that hits on the cutting room floor. But as I understand <laughs> it, they do they do the show, and you know they're they're only giving you the best bits, which is what they should do because it's a TV show. Yeah. But, but it's all designed to get a laugh. I mean, if, if it weren't designed to get a laugh, it wouldn't. The show wouldn't be as wildly popular as it is. Exactly. Well, I've been uh, so I. I hate saying the phrase Twitter famous, but I got a big Twitter following, and I've been trying to. I've never put the work into YouTube. Uh, I just started doing it a few weeks ago, and I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos of like, how do I get a bigger following? And one thing that one person said was make the videos your audience wants and not the videos you want. So I was like, oh, my God, he's right, because there's a bridge between the two, right? So my audience wants me to do funny stuff, and but instead of doing, like, the videos that I want, like, directly, they're like, yeah, see what the audience wants you to do. So, like, for instance, I pulled my audience the other day, and they're like, do a, a video where you do impressions. And I was like, that's not something I would have thought to do on my own, but maybe that will be popular. Okay. Now, do you do impressions? Uh, not good ones. I'm working <laughs> on them. So for okay. me, this is going to be an exercise in doing better impressions. Well, it's not a bad thing. I mean, you get a, get a little nudge to do work on a new skill, right? Yeah, exactly. 
I could do Lorne Michaels pretty decently, if that counts for anything. Well, let, me, let me hear you, Lorne Michaels. Well, he's based on Do- – oh, Dr. Evil is based on him, so to get into it, I have to say – Oh, Dr. Evil Lorne is based on Lorne? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, so to get into him, i got to be like, one million dollars. Well, hello. Welcome to Saturday Night Live. I'm Lorne Michaels. <laughs> now I hear it. I think that's decent, right? That's not bad. That's not bad. I, I got it. I got it. There's some fun YouTube videos of, like, Bill Hader – doing his Lord Michaels as a serial killer. It's very funny. I, I, I imagine a lot of people will wind up doing a Lord Michaels impression because they spent so much time with the guy. Yeah, I spent little time with him. I used to work at the pit, uh, the People's Improv Theater, and mm-hmm. he would come a couple of times to like watch auditions, so we'd have to like sneak him in the back row. And I don't think I've ever said more than, like, hey, how are you to him? But in, even in those moments, I was like, "Oh, I got to watch what I say." Oh, that's interesting. So he comes to he came to watch auditions. What, what auditions? Uh, well, they used to have. I don't know if they still do this, but they had live auditions uh, at the different theaters, so like Pitt, UCB, and it was to see how people would react in front of a live audience. So they're like SNL auditions at the Pitt. Oh, okay. So it's not like something. It's not like he's checking out something else. Like it's an actual Saturday Night Live audition. Yeah, they were like proper SNL auditions. Yeah, I don't okay. think he came to like random stuff. I don't remember seeing him outside of those couple of times. That's interesting. So that's well, yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Not bad. He's 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 had some success in this business. He, you know, he's doing all right. He's, he's been okay. He's kind of shaped okay. the last. 40 years Norm, of comedy. Norm, McDo- Norm McDonald said, he, he said to Lauren, you know, how come you never have me over to your house? And Lauren said, because it would make you very angry to see how I live. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was great. Like, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Because well, he's got one. a stupid amount of money. Like, I mean, you know, it's Broadway video, like, produced everything. So he owns all this stuff outright. So he's, he's making it coming and going. And I mean, you know, he he'd probably be fine just based on a you know whatever he gets just to produce the show. But you know, just to actually own it and to get all the ancillary income and you know all the YouTube revenue and you know everything else. I mean, I just I can't even imagine how much money that is. Well, I've been watching obsessively. I've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, and they say that Larry David is worth about four hundred four hundred fifty million dollars between what? all my research. Yeah, and I was like, okay. Larry has had a lot of success, but I think that what Lauren has is even more, right? Because it's longer. And I don't know. I don't know how money works. So that's tricky. I don't either. But I, Seinfeld is in syndication at a level that very few shows get to. You know, yeah, that's so true. I mean that like like if I recall correctly, Jerry gets fifty million a year from Seinfeld. Ugh. So you figure Larry's probably getting about that. What'd you say? I said if I had one year like that, I'd be. I, I'd, I'd be happy with one fiftieth of one, one year. I'd love. <laughs> I'd love to have a million dollars. You know. Oh, I mean, my God. I mean, fifty million a year. I mean, that's just. I, I. That's just astonishing. I mean, I hope he's charitable because wow, is that a that a crap ton of money? It's crazy. Well, from doing virtual comedy shows, I've made more money than I have doing real comedy shows. And oh, is that right? Fifty dollars last week. Yeah. <laughs> nice. With you, look at you with the fifty dollars. What do you do? You ask for donations. Uh, yeah. So those shows that I got was people 
putting like your Venmo. Yeah, I started putting Venmo handles on screen. So they're free shows. So if anyone anyone can watch them, they don't have to. Like, it's not behind a paywall or anything. But if they're like, oh, here's four bucks, here's three bucks, and that all adds up, nice, nice. Yeah, I got to make a title card. I did my show. I, I've been doing. I the last couple of uh, weeks, I did a sh- I did a show that I hosted and produced, and um, it's a little tricky. I, I will say it is definitely a little more involved. I'm, I'm very impressed with all that you're doing because it's def- I know it's not easy. Yeah, well, it's given me something to do. Like I generally wake up, get out of bed, and then like ten, eleven o'clock in the morning, I start. Like make it like a quick graphic card that takes me like thirty forty minutes, and then I research some news. So it like it like gives me like three hours in the morning of something to just like keep my head focused on. See, I, I like, seem yeah, very busy. I seem to be very be busy. Doing. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Like everyone's everyone's. So many people I know are sitting around watching Netflix, and you know, like I do another podcast with Ruben Wolf about uh, mafia movies, and I. We have to find time to watch the movie every every week, and I really have trouble finding that time. Like it's not yeah. impossible. Like I haven't missed it. I haven't missed one yet. Well, actually, that's not true. I did miss one, but you know, it's just. Which one did you miss? I don't. I don't even remember. I, it was a it was a movie <laughs> I didn't really care about, so maybe that was part of it. But um, <laughs> I just maybe it was even something I'd seen. I just didn't have time that week. I just said, I'm really sorry, man. I just can't do it this week. Um, cause you know, just with, I do, I do a lot of open mics, which I find very gratifying. It's just a way to get the material out, you know, just yeah. sort of get it out of my head and, you know, into the world in some way. And I'm going to start, I'm going to start recording, uh, more bits and, you know, just to, cause, cause a lot of this stuff is just very time limited. Like it just doesn't last. I did a thing on the global citizen broadcast and, you know, that's dead. I mean, even though it, it was, I liked it and it was a funny bit, but that was three weeks ago already. Like nobody cares. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to be able to just get that stuff out um, as quickly as possible and just, you know, stick it up on Instagram or something. Even if it's not perfect, yeah. just whatever. Let's just get it out there. I feel like the, I feel like the rules have changed a bit, you know, like it used to be you want to be very careful about what you post. And now it's more like, meh, you know, let's just get it out there. Who, you know, it doesn't matter. Let's get it out there. Let's entertain the masses as quickly as possible. Yeah. Now, you said you have a big Twitter following. How did you amass that? Uh, so do you remember the TV show at midnight on comedy central? I do. So, uh, for those listening who don't know at midnight was, it was a game show, uh, hosted by Chris Hardwick and he would get three contestants on every week and he would ask them like, they'd go on Reddit ahead of time and be like, this crazy thing happened in the world today to uh, write a joke about it. And then there was a hashtag game involved in the show. And I was obsessive about the hashtag game. So much so that I would tweet out and then get like five, six, seven hundred likes a night on Twitter. Oh, and wow. then, yeah, I was doing pretty well with that show. And then they were retweeting me a whole lot. So their retweets would either go into their blog or on TV. So a lot of my tweets were featured in the At Midnight Comedy Central blog, which sounds really lame, but it like definitely like boosted my following a lot. Doesn't sound, doesn't sound lame it, to me. That sounds terrific. Yeah, and then once they used one of my jokes on air and credited me, so there's just a guy on Comedy Central going, Tweet of the Day by Ronnie Pascal, and then read the tweet. Nice. And I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, so like stuff like that built my following. And then through that, these aren't as popular, but they still exist, where uh, news companies are who are too lazy to write articles will 
find a trending hashtag and just kind of aggregate them into a list and be like, oh, uh, today, like, I don't know, the royal family did this thing. Here are tweets to, like, here are comedians making fun of it, and then they'll just list, like, oh, yeah, today Prince Harry did this thing or whatever. Does that make sense? Not to forget about, you know, you say say places that are too lazy. I mean, that's like everybody does that now. I mean, even the New yeah. York Times, even the New York Times has a roundup of late night jokes. I mean, that's that's become that's become journalism. I mean, it's it's weird to me, and I'm I, I'm glad that you mentioned it. That it's also weird to you, but that's a very common thing. Yeah. Yeah. So those news sources would just quote my tweets all the time, and so I get Twitter followers from like. Uh, so I made a Brexit joke the day Brexit happened, not really understanding that it was much more than it was, and. Uh, I was starting to get, like, I didn't, I tweeted something, it didn't get a lot of traction, and then, like, a day later, I was getting all these angry Brits yelling at me, and I didn't know why, and I found out that one of my tweets was, like, broadcast on the BBC. Oh, wow. Calling me, like, a dumb American. Yeah, the joke was, like, pretty innocent, and it was, uh, Brexit is the best diet because you lose all your pounds overnight. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good joke I like that joke yeah and I didn't understand like the whole like racial divide and all that stuff behind Brexit at the time so I was like oh this is funny because they like that's literally just a silly lost. joke please they yeah. gotta get over themselves it's because like, it's all your fault right like the yeah, reason, exactly. the reason it's so, it got so ugly is because of Ronnie Pascal come on give me a break yeah but like yeah so I got a following through like between at midnight and they would put all my jokes on listicles all over the world. And then, yeah, that is how I got my following. Nice. That's a good way to get it. I like that. I like it. It's good. And like, also I'm not famous where I could like walk into somewhere and people are like, Oh, look, it's Ronnie Pascal. No one has ever walked down the street and recognized me. And I still have fans. Right. Yes, that's true. So you get all the, all the benefits, none of the downside. That's a good, that's a good way to look at it. I like that. How many yeah. Twitter followers do you have? Uh, I just hit 41,000, I think. Oh, wow. A wow. modest amount. Like, not famous, nice. famous, but enough. Do you have a blue check mark? Oh, yeah. Nice. Look at you with the blue check mark. And I'm like, what's the blue check mark really mean? But I've gotten, like, job offers because of it. I've gotten TV roles because of it. So it's got to mean something. What, what do you mean? T- what TV roles? What do you mean? Uh, eh, that's a small one. I did a TV show. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's called Sound Scary. And my friend found me because I, I'm pretty sure he found me because I have the blue check mark. And it's, uh, what is it? How do I word this? It's a talk show for horror movies. Like we go to like locations in Los Angeles and uh, like where a horror movie was filmed and talk about the horror movie. Oh, okay. And yeah, so for this episode, uh, he took me to a haunted museum in Burbank, and we talked about just like soundtracks to mo- uh, horror movies. So, are you a horror uh, movie guy? Oh, uh, yes and no. I love horror movies, but I generally only watch them for like one or two months a year. Now, what is that, that Halloween or like, what? Yeah, like September and October. Like September starts like setting in. I feel like whatever. Uh, so like 
when a woman gets baby crazy, whatever that is, I have like the man version of it for horror movies around September. <laughs> like my I like my that. biological clock is like it's time to start watching people get murdered again. That's funny. And like November first, it goes away. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not a bad time to get it. Let's say, you know, I, I tend to, I guess actually, I, I don't know if I, I go quite to the baby crazy level, but, you know, they're, they're around that time of year, is, I, I tend to like some horror movies. I grew up not liking them at all. Like, I really was not mm-hmm. into them. I didn't, I didn't want to be scared. And, and then as I've gotten older, like my son got into it, so we watch them together. And it's, you know, they're fun. They're, they've definitely got their place. Yeah. Like, Midsummer. did you see Midsummer by any chance? No, no. Uh, so Midsummer is like it came out about a year ago. It was like considered the most gruesome movie ever, and I went to go see it and with two friends. And I didn't know what the movie was about. I didn't even know it was a horror movie. I just knew everyone was talking about it. I should go see it because I had free time. And I brought two friends. One was repulsed by the entire thing, and the other one was very similar to me in that we both didn't look at it as a horror movie. We like looked at it as a comedy that was just really dark and we're sitting there laughing the whole movie. And so like, I, I like to find like humor in horror movies, but I also don't like comedic horror movies, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. I do like some of them, but usually I don't. So you, so what, so something like scream would, was that not that you don't like that? Uh, I like scream because scream still treated itself like a horror movie. Right. And, like, there are movies that do well of, like, treating... Like, there's a movie called Dale and Tucker vs. Evil. Have you seen that one? No, no. I've heard of it, though. Yeah, Dale and Tucker vs. Evil is great because it's both on its own a really good horror movie and a really good slasher movie. Or, excuse me, slasher and comedy is what I meant to say. Right. And then, like, something like Shaun of the Dead is, like, a good balance of the two. Yeah, that I really need to see because that is... Those are some of my guys. Um, some some of my favorites are in that. I just oh, I just haven't uh, gotten to it. Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're, they're just, great. Simon Simon Pegg is the best. He's just amazing. I don't think he's ever made anything bad. Yeah, he's 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 kind of got a charmed career. I mean, he really you know like because you figure at some point a guy would make a stupid choice, but no, no, doesn't seem to. He's he's done nope. he's done quite well for himself. Yeah, you know, and he hasn't done. He hasn't. He hasn't done like a like a giant. I mean, it's, I mean, he did the Star Trek movies, but um, where he was terrific. But you know, like in terms of make going like big Hollywood and you know doing some some garbagey comedy or whatever. Like to, to the best of my knowledge, he's never done that. Which I which is which I think is smart. I think you're better off not doing it. Yeah, definitely. Or pull like a Daniel Day Lewis where you do one brilliant movie every like what five years. Right. Yes. Exactly. And then retire. And then retire, and then retire while you're still still uh, in your prime. I mean, you know, he he doesn't need to keep. He, I mean, he doesn't need to keep going, but he also doesn't need to retire. No, I aim to be the Daniel Day Lewis of stand up. No, oh, right? Really? You want to, You want to only perform every five years? Once every five years, uh, be like really get into the role, and then drop out for five years. Nice. That could work. I I think I'd miss it. I got to be honest. I kind of like I I go through every now and then I, I get lucky and I go through a period where I'm booked every night and I I kind of like it. I, I really do. Yeah. I went through a, a phase, a period for two or three years where I didn't perform at all, and it was really a bummer. 
Well, are you like this busy back? in when we're when we're in you know the real world? Like, are, do you do you have this many shows going? Uh, so my day job during the regular world is I am a theater lighting technician. So, oh, cool. Yeah, so I mostly do like stand-up, sketch, and improv shows, and so I tried to balance it where like. Because those nights I could do, like, two or three shows at a time, like, in terms of lighting, and I would try to, like, squeeze one stand-up show in every night. So, yeah, I'm pretty busy. Like, and I also would try to produce one show a week. So, like, for instance, my last show that I put up was, like, the week before, and I got seven other people plus myself, and we all did five minutes of stand-up as Adam Driver. So it was the Adam Driver impersonator. <laughs> Ah, that's fun. That's really yeah. fun. I actually think that show might translate to the internet, so maybe I could like get a reunion show. Why not? Sure. I mean, if people like impressions, I mean, I think that's I think that's true. I've heard that that people on on Instagram and YouTube they like impressions. Yeah, yeah. So I try to like stay busy, um, and I only like kind of recently started doing stand up. So. I'm like six months into like just like really focusing at it because I used to do it like once a year to like focus on doing improv and sketch and all that other stuff. Huh. Okay. So you, so you were more so you were you were more into the you were improv and sketch and then only recently started stand up. Yeah. Okay. I started doing stand up because I was like, oh, it's a way I can get my jokes out quicker. Oh yeah, listen. The the great thing, you know, if you've got an outlet every day, you can you can react to something that just happened. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's just yeah. the best. You just it's like you can react to something that happened 20 minutes ago or five minutes ago. Like just just bam, jump it in, and people love it. Everybody loves a topical yeah. joke. You know, like well, it, like it's it, it, it's just a it, yeah. It's a great feeling to to have something, then just go boom and just you know drop it right in there. Yesterday, I was recording my Zoom show, my YouTube show, at 9 o'clock, and then I was doing a stand-up show at 11 o'clock. While recording my Zoom show, Zoom said, your internet connection is unstable, and I immediately wrote a joke about that and performed it. And it was, uh, Zoom said, my internet is unstable, and I immediately wanted to date it. <laughs> and I, there you go. That's, that, is, that is among the better, my internet connection is unstable jokes that I've heard. That's a good one. I like that. Thank you. And I was like, oh, yeah, I doing improv, I wouldn't – I'd have to, like, sit on that all day. Hopefully it organically came up. I can't shoehorn the joke in. Uh, can I ever use this joke for real? And so I was like, you know, I could just literally say it when I want to say it. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I, that's obviously really, really nice. And, you know, you can, it's, and it's not just the news, like you like you say. I mean, you did you did the joke about the Zoom uh, internet connection, I and mean, it, it can it can really be anything. It can be something that happened in the room. You know, yeah. people love that when you when you do that, and it's a callback to something else that happened. Everybody loves a callback. Oh yeah, I've learned that. So do you, you primarily work at the pit? Uh, for fighting, yeah, I work at the pit. Um, I was the pit artistic director from 2015 through 2017. And then, twenty like mid twenty seventeen to twenty nineteen, I just like that was the phase that I was talking about where I didn't perform at all, and I just kind of gave up on everything and I was like, I don't want to be a performer anymore. Don't want to ever oh, do no. this again. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but uh, and then I came back and I was like, that was stupid. Let's figure this out. And so when I came back, I just came back as a lighting guy, 
and I've been doing it at the Pit, Brooklyn Comedy Collective, and then like the Magnet a little bit too. So, okay, that's good. Spread it out a little bit and like try to like enjoy the community for like the fun that they have instead of like. Because my issue with the Pit was I love the Pit, but I got too deep into it, so I started understanding everyone's gossip and politics, and I was like, I'm not mm. here for the gossip or the politics. Is it, it must be impossible to stay out of that when you're the artistic director, right? I mean, you got to be super involved in all of that. Yeah, I knew everyone. Like, I was going through an old notebook a few days ago, and I was like, it said two people's names, and then it said hates each other. And then I was like, why would I write that? And then I was like, oh, it's because they were on an improv team together, and they didn't want to perform together anymore. So I had to, like, keep a note of who hated each other, who liked performing together, who did what to who, and I was like, I don't care about this stuff. Wow, that is so uninteresting to me. I mean, something that I – I have been very drama-resistant for my entire, you know, time. I used to I used to do theater in college and, and also out of college, and I always was very just I, I couldn't deal with the drama, the offstage drama. And that it, it kind of it holds you back a little bit. Like if you don't want to because because everybody's everybody else loves it. They all like eat it up. And if I, st- I just found that if I stayed out of it, there were things I was missing out on. Now, I was OK with that because I really didn't want to deal with it. But I do find that you just people people love that they love the talking. Yeah, I don't like the talking. I just like really want to avoid it as best I can. And I think that's what ruined it for me. And now that I'm, like, back in a lesser role, I was like, oh, yeah, this is so much more enjoyable. I don't got to deal with that anymore. I don't care who's dating who and who's hooking up with who and what's happening. Was that a big part of being artistic director? Yeah, I, like, had to know all of it. And then kind of, like, balancing that and, like, also, like, just, like, stoking everyone's egos. Not a fan. Uh, Like, someone be like, my show should be on Friday night, but you booked me on Thursday night. Why? And I was just like, oh, man, that's, these aren't the arguments I want to be having. Yes, I totally understand that. That that sounds like it would be very unpleasant, particularly since there was probably a very good reason, you know, for somebody's show to not be on Friday night. Yeah, it was always that. Also, like, a mix of, like, I don't know, maybe I booked the Friday show first and, like, your show maybe deserved it and you just, the timing wasn't right and, like, stuff like that. Or maybe, like, your show needs work and we got to, like, establish it first or something like that. Well, everyone takes stuff very personally. I, I have I have found that. I find that to be true with booking stand-up shows and, you know, everybody, everybody takes it very personally. And it's, and it's not. It's really not. I'm I'm very uh, I'm very upfront and I'm very direct and I'm very like you know like this is it is what it is you know this is yeah. this is what I got you want to do a show great let's do a show yeah the, no one's been in a jerk to me doing my show right now but like the thing that I'm always afraid of is like someone saying like why did you book, why am I opening why am I headlining why am I this and I'm always ready to be like hey my lineups now are literally just in the order that I booked you all, and I'm not putting any thought into it anymore. We're right, here exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 let's I feel exactly the same way. Like, let's just, let's just, you know what? It's, it's whatever order. If I could, if, yeah. if, like, rolling a die would be too much work. Like, I'm just going to book you. This is, I'm just putting it in here, and then we're going to do the show, and it's going to be great. Everybody has a good time, and then we're going to leave, and then we're going to do it again. How about that? Does that sound exactly. good to everybody? Because that's, that's what sounds good to me. That sounds great to me. Right. 
Man, wanna, uh, well, Ronnie, this has been great. I don't want to stop. Like, I want to keep going, but we can't because the thing will cut me off. So I know, um, I know. It's, it's it's a it's a bummer. It's really a bummer. I, I want a, I want a three hour show every day, but then I never Let's get anything do a done. Show. <laughs> Let's do a three hour show. Three hour show. Three hour show. Three uh, tell them where they can find you on the various social medias. Uh, I am across the board on all social medias at Ronnie Pascal. Except on YouTube, they made me put an NYC at the end of it. So it's Ronnie Pascal, NYC on YouTube. Does that mean there's another Ronnie Pascal? When I tried to register just Ronnie Pascal, it said, you have a very common name. Uh, you have to, like, differentiate yourself. And I, in my time, the only two Ronnie Pascals I've ever found are my grandfather that I'm named after and a professional soccer player. So – not a very common name, but they say it's common, so I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't seem very common to me at all. Um, and also the all right, well, Ronnie, Ronnie Pascal with the uncommon name. You have been an uncommonly good guest. Good, and, thank uh, you. I really appreciate you coming on. This has been really fun. We'll be back tomorrow here on Brett from the Bunker. It'll be at 11 a.m., as it always is, and we will have another guest, and we will have fun. So, everyone, please, please, please stay safe. Thanks, Brett. See you later. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.